This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, John Carlson, Johnny Smartpoint, returns to our show with his year-end look at Metro Vancouver real estate. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. A new pre-holiday survey of our financial health from the folks at Prosper Canada and the Canadian Council on Social Development indicates many of us are, quote, living large. That's making good money and also carrying enormous debt loads as well by many of us, I mean Vancouver people, along with Torontonians and Calgarians. The survey also points out our financial well-being is quite influenced by where we live, so BC people, including Victoria, Kelowna, and Abbotsford Mission, are more likely to be carrying large debts despite making decent dollars. Saying assets and debts, not just income, comprise our total financial health, the survey looked at our debt-to-income ratios. The bottom line is this. More than four in ten Canadians are apparently living paycheck to paycheck, while about one in five say they can't handle a $2,000 emergency. Their warning to you is this. Take your financial health into account before you start shopping for the season and adjust your buying accordingly. And while we're talking about seasonal activities, the B.C. government and ICBC are kicking off this weekend the annual counterattack campaign to encourage drivers to make smart and safe decisions during the holiday season. Every year, an average of 17 people lose their lives due to impaired driving right here in the Lower Mainland, where 56% of impaired-related crashes occur every weekend. Counterattack remains a vital strategic enforcement measure, and this December, which of course starts tomorrow, police across the province will set up road checks to keep impaired drivers off the roads. For those who plan to drink and need a ride home during the holidays, Operation Red Nose may be for you. The volunteer service provides safe rides to drivers who are either impaired or simply unfit to drive. In 20 B.C. communities, it's now available right through until New Year's Eve. Unfortunately, again this year, though, Operation Red Nose will not be available in the city of Vancouver, but you can check their website for more info about where you live. Also unfortunate again this year, the lack of ride-hailing services like Uber and Lyft. The nice people at Operation Red Nose will be happy to help you out if they can. Our next guest is all set to do his year-end review of local real estate, as John has done for the past few years now. It's December tomorrow, and that means year-end lists are starting to be made, including the annual report from the CCTS, the Commission for Complaints for Telecom Television Service. And they've had another very busy year, handling almost 5,000 more complaints than last year. This year it was over 19,000 of them, and that's up 35 percent from the previous year. So what's wrong? Well, the CCTS says wireless services were the main areas of complaints, followed by internet-related problems, while the main issues in the complaints were billing and contract disputes. Billing issues included being charged for services not received, and disappointment over promised discounts and promotions that weren't honored. On the contract side, many complained about terms and prices, and wrong packages being applied. Bell received 
received the most complaints, 29%. Rogers had 9.5. Telus was next with 8.3%. If there's a good news aspect to this story, it's that the commission said despite the record number of overall complaints, 182 Canadian service providers had zero complaints, and another 107 had three or less. Also, about 91% of complaints were successfully resolved. Last hour, we told you about the ski hills that are opening up this weekend, including Worcester Blackcomb, Grouse, and Cypress. This hour, we wanted to remind you that effective tomorrow, the skating rink at Robson Square is open for another season. The rink will be open for free skating for all ages and abilities until the end of February. They're open on holidays, too. Now, there's no cost to get on the rink, but if you don't have your own skates to lace up, there are cash-only rentals, five bucks a pair. Skate rentals close 30 minutes prior to rink closing time. So this season, the Robson Square Skating Rink opens Sunday to Thursday from 9 to 9 and Fridays and Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. As always, weather can be an issue, but certainly not for the opening this year with local temperatures below freezing overnights. So maybe after the Santa Claus Parade tomorrow, you can go for a spin on the ice at Robson Square. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. Coming right up is John Carlson with the year-ender on Metro Vancouver Real Estate. Stay with us. This is CKNW. You're listening to Vancouver Consumer. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox. Always a pleasure to introduce Johnny Smartpoint to our Vancouver listeners. John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation, back in the room with the year-ender. Hello, John. Great to be back one more time this year. Thank you, Sterling. Well, it's great to have you with us. And we've just, Ben and I, just doing our, our checking of the figures. This is the third annual year-ender for you, John Carlson. So that's, that's a nice tradition to be a part of all of a sudden, isn't it? It is a nice tradition. I think I'll uh, try to make it an annual. So uh, what about your take on 2019? I know it's uh, still a month of December to go, but you've already primed us many times over the past few weeks that December, while being active, will not be as busy pretty much as any other month during the year. It's the nature of December. But what's your take on January to now? Well, uh, from now, even December, um, you don't see as many people jumping into the market necessarily. In other words, calling and saying, hey, let's put a for sale sign in my house. It's Mm -hmm. December 15th. You don't see that as much. But you do uh, see the people who sold in October and November who are still looking for their next property. So, um, you know, there's a saying in real estate in, in December, if your house is on the market, the showings may be fewer, but those people are serious. People don't tend to be uh, messing around. There's other things to be doing if you're not serious about real estate. That's so, right. So if you're looking for houses in December, you mean it. Yeah, yeah. So there, there are serious buyers out there right okay, now. Okay, all right. Interesting. Um, okay. Most of the people I'm talking to when it comes to potentially selling a home are kind of saying, hey, is there, is there any market left this year? Should we wait till next year? And so that's on a lot of sellers' minds as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm anticipating. I mean, the phone is still ringing. Offers are still happening. Uh, I think that we'll probably stay pretty busy right up till close to Christmas. And then the market generally takes a nap for a little while. Um, January, a lot of feeling out, some new listings. And really kind of February, I think, is traditionally when I see the market really start to wake up. And again, it increases in March. And it's no secret that the spring is the big time of the year when the weather gets better and people's minds 
minds, I guess, and actions start turning towards that potential move. Sure. Well, these observations, friends, by the way, coming to you this afternoon from a a veteran of the real estate business. Uh, My friend John Carlson has been a professional realtor for 24 years in and around Metro Vancouver. Lots of experience, lots of ups and downs over those two dozen plus years, too, John. And you just talked about spring in real estate parlance being the busiest season of the year. Again, though, 2019 spring, maybe not so much. No, no, this year was a little different uh, than years previous, of course. And I think that's really the big story of the year for 2020. Real estate, Greater Vancouver, Fraser Valley is the market at the beginning of the year was in very much a state of shock from some new measures that had been introduced. Right. We've talked about those many times. And um, the buyers, by and large, kind of stayed out of the market for the first part of the year. So listing inventory built up a little bit. And buyers, I think, uh, in general said, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe these prices might be vulnerable. Maybe we'll wait. And, and a lot of those measures, by the way, they came, it, was, it was a three-pronged attack to, uh, on the consciousness of buyers and sellers, John. Right. We had the feds and the stress test, the province and its speculation tax, and the city with its empty houses tax. These are three independent, separate measures all specifically aimed at cooling the market. The government's words, not mine. Did they succeed too well? I don't think they succeeded too well. Uh, you know, it depends on the point of view you're looking at. Uh, they're, they're, you know, the reason this all came about was there was a, a need. Sure. Um, let's look at what happened. I mean, we can just even kind of generally say it was crazy mm-hmm. uh, for a number of years. And prices got uh, out of the control and out of the reach of a lot of local people. And that causes problems economically, politically, and all that sort of thing. So... There was a need, and I think that uh, you know the various levels of government stepped in to address that need uh, to uh, in the way that they saw fit. Sure. Now, could that continue? Sure, it could. I mean, just the other day, there was an announcement that the foreign buyer's tax is, is increasing mm-hmm. again and, and may increase in the coming years. And there are a lot of tools you know, that the various levels of government can, can use, implement to, uh, to affect the market. But, uh, you know, when we were talking about the story of the year just a second ago, the first half of it was the lagging market. It was pretty you know, quiet. March, April, May, yeah. worst markets in 20-something years. But again, uh, this year, the spring wasn't the market. People gained confidence towards the end. And this summer, there was uh, some uh, glimmers of hope. Uh, and the beginning of the year, with all of these various uh, measures being taken by governments and all the rest of it, people, I think, for, were, were for in part, John just kind of confused by it all. And in many cases, especially with prices starting to correct downwards and come off the insane levels, a lot of people just thought, this is just getting a little too weird. I think I'm just going to sit for a while and let the dust settle. And that's what happened, right? It, It is, yes. And I think a lot of thinking people reasonably looked at the market and said, you know, I'm not going to jump until I can see the ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, people weren't really sure what was happening. And uh, again, that was the first half of the market. But the real story, I think, of 2020 is the rebound. And the fact that it's really not that, uh, uh, not that wise to completely count out the real estate market in Greater Vancouver. We had uh, in the fall, September, October, November, this market has bounced uh, you know, right back to historic sort of averages. So it's become a much more balanced market. And I think what that means... Uh, you know, of course, there are pricing, you know, uh, prices go up and down. Mm-hmm. And actually, what it really means, I think, for the average people that I work with is that they can come up with a plan, uh, might be to upsize, downsize, move across the country, whatever it might be. But you can you can actually make a plan where you can put your house on the market and get a good feel and, and actually get a buyer. You're going to get offers if you're priced reasonably. And right. You can get a good sale. And on the other hand, you can explore other parts of the market here or elsewhere. And you can coordinate that 
that move without either there being way too much, you know, uh, pressure on the sales side where you sell instantly, but you can't buy because mm-hmm. everything you go to buy has multiple offers. Well, that was a problem for a while. And then when the market slowed down, even good listings that would otherwise sell quickly were sitting on the market and people were sellers were saying, hey, you know, maybe maybe this isn't the right time. Even though I'm priced, I'm the best price listing on my street in my block, I'm still not getting those offers. Right. And that made it hard. But in a balanced market, you can. You can price reasonably, sell, and go and make a good deal on a purchase. And that just makes it easier for everybody. So I think the the overall, it's overall a good news story that the market is balanced. I mean, prices are still, you know, nothing's cheap in Greater Vancouver or the Fraser Valley. To be sure. But we've talked about this, the influx. Uh, the market has bounced back. There's some confidence. But buyers are limited to what they can afford to borrow from their lenders right. with the stress test. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they uh, are value conscious. Nobody wants to pay more than they have to. Well, there was some talk during the election about uh, the feds being pressured into dropping this stress chest, uh, test rather, or altering the conditions and terms of it. Uh, they won the election. They didn't get a majority, but they won the election uh, with, without promising anything. Uh, for the stress test. So I think anyone who's anticipating a move by the feds in that regard may be uh, waiting a good long while. It doesn't sound like there's much change coming. Lots of predictions coming out. We had uh, a few days ago, uh, the folks at Central One Credit Union issued their housing forecast for the year and basically saying that uh, housing sales are climbing faster than anticipated, John, but the rebound won't be as and their word, inflamed as it was a couple of years ago. So returning to the insanity of 2017 is not in the cards uh, for anyone in the prediction business as we look around the corner to 2020 for Metro Vancouver housing. No, and that's good news, I it think. It sure is. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I don't think anyone is anticipating a return to uh, that kind of market because the conditions are just so much different. Exactly. Now, uh, they do address the matter of declines that uh, we talked about already and prices coming off at the beginning of this year, John, uh, and creating a, a rather soft spring compared to what usually is a very intense time of year for the real estate industry. So all of that contributes to softer prices, and that causes people to just step back a little. And But to your point, sales will continue to happen. People need to move. People get a promotion. Uh, they they ups, upsize because they've got a new family member coming along real fast. All sorts of the usual reasons do not, uh, for a second, take real estate activity out of the marketplace. Even in December, as you say, people looking for homes in December must be serious because there's so much else to do at this time of year, right? Yes. Typically, when you sell your home, you were saying that some of the people who will be looking in December are people who have sold already, but they haven't bought where they're going to move to yet. Yes. So typically, what's the lag time between the sale date and the gotta-be-out-of-here date? Well, that depends on the strategy that you take. Some people will find a house first and write a subject to sale offer, perhaps. Uh-huh, right. Or they that might... seems to be the conservative sort of uh, taking it step by step approach. Well, yeah, that's one way. That's one good way of going. At least you know where you're going to land and what your dates are. Mm-hmm. But you know, in that approach, you want to make sure that you know the value of your home and you have a strategy ready to go to get that home sold in a reasonable period of time. Otherwise, you know, somebody else may buy that house. That well, because so. it does put an, a lot of extra pressure on on you, right. doesn't it? Yeah. And these are things that go into the conversations that I have uh, with my potential clients when we meet. Um, uh, but the other way might be uh, some people will have an offer on their home first in order to uh, be a good buyer down the road when they find the right property. 
property. So uh, what I'm seeing, some I'm working with buyers right now. We wrote an offer and we gave the seller end of February dates because okay. with with the option of moving the dates quicker, if the seller finds another home because they've looked around but they haven't decided on one. And you know, one thing that's tough when you're putting here's a little just a little uh, tidbit. But when I'm representing a buyer, when a seller has not found their next place yet, it's a very good idea to give them some dates and some flexibility if you can because most times people overestimate how long it'll take to find the next home. Right. But nobody wants to be in a position where you know the bags are packed and the new people. Are moving in, uh, you and know, New Year's morning go. or something like that. So, exactly. Yeah, timing is very important. It comes down to money and timing. And with the holidays happening right now, that complicates things a little bit. If you were to sell today and you needed to buy again, you might find a somewhat limited pool of listings to look at. So, uh, just seasonal things to consider. Your nickname and your website is Johnny Smart Point, and you talk about Smart Point finding the Smart Point in the real estate business. You call it the success zone, and it's all about pricing, John. It's all about being competitive competitive in a marketplace where most people looking are pretty well informed. We do a ton of homework. We're talking, what, seven figures for our next house? You bet we're going to do a lot of homework. So it's about pricing and finding that smart point, isn't it? Well, it is. The smart point is part about pricing. That's that's one part of it, of course. Uh, you know, I think a, a, an agent that can help you position and price in a way that'll maximize your eventual sale price, that's being in the smart point. But it's also, um, you know, having the right representation. And, you know, when I talk about Johnny SmartPoint, I position myself as someone who uh, has done a lot of business and is client-focused and can back that up with a lot of sales and good testimonials. Right. And I think you want somebody like that working in your corner who's experienced when offers come to hopefully negotiate to the best possible results. And you use the term frequently, defend that price. And that's your job as the experienced agent on that particular assignment to do just that. What do you mean by defending a price? Well, if you are a seller and an offer comes in and it's not the full list price, uh, usually there's a negotiation that happens and, um, you know, you you don't get what you, uh, you know, necessarily so much what a house might be worth, but you get what you can defend. You mm-hmm. get what you can justify and you get what you can, can, can fight for and negotiate at an offer. So nice thing is when a good offer comes in, there's usually a motivated buyer who likes the property and likes the area. And it's, we're really talking about some terms. And so a job of a good agent uh, might be in a negotiation process to uh, reinforce those desires on the part of the buyer in terms of, when I'm representing a seller, uh, but also show them why they want to pay the price that my seller requests. So that's part of it. And then the other part of the smart point is the value proposition. Okay. Without cutting services, I save people money compared to the majority of my competition out there. All commissions are negotiable and there are different commissions out there, but the the most common structure is 7% of the first 100,000 of the purchase price, 2.5% of the balance. And one thing I do through 2% West Coast Realty is I save people about 30 to 40% on that typical bill without cutting corners and providing top-level representation to people. And uh, all of those figures and how it works is available on John's website. And you can just go to johnnysmartpoint.ca. And about halfway down the homepage, there's a grid that says uh, basically savings you will enjoy. And it compares typical Vancouver area house prices with uh, most other brokers and the commission they charge versus the commissions that John and his team at 2% Realty charges. And the savings are right there in black and white for you to see before you enjoy and give John a call. And the number to do that with, by the way, friends, is 604-612-0080. Again, 604-612-0080. Lots more of the Year Ender with John Carlson after the news. 
Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer here on CKNW on this last day of November 2019. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by John Carlson. Johnny Smartpoint in the house. And I'm looking at your website, John. says right here, uh, Johnny Smartpoint serving Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley full-service real estate at a fraction of the cost. And just before we did the news, you talked about you and your team at 2% West Coast Realty and uh, identifying uh, the ability to make savings, real savings on big house prices for people. But of course, the inevitable question comes up, John, if I'm not paying the full freight on a deal, then I'm probably not going to receive the freight, the full service that I expect to get if I was dealing with another broker because you, you pay more, you get more. Well, sometimes that's true in a lot of business and a lot of... Uh in a lot of areas, but uh, there are a number of different business models out there. Um, I tend to save people money compared to the majority of them out there, and there are different levels of service and expertise with various agents. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, that's why I call what I do the smart point. I mean, uh, you know, the experience and the you know everything going together to put you in the right spot to really give you the best possible result. Um, but yes, I do save people money. That's one of my hallmarks. I find that uh, you know. Uh, a lot of times people will say, hey, I got a quote from, you know, Realtor XYZ over here. And right. it was it was quite a, a big commission check. And what do they do to make that kind of money? And what do you do? And I want to compare. And I think buyers, smart buyers are comparison shoppers. So, you know, I always recommend to people, if you are looking to uh, put one of the biggest investments you'll ever own on the market and try to maximize that price, it probably doesn't hurt to look around and see who might represent you the best. And to the listeners out there, I'd like to just offer, uh, you know, to come and visit you and talk to you about the process if you want to see how I work for you. Well, exactly. And and it's that 24 years of, of industry service. Again, a membership in the President's Club uh, of, for last year and on the cusp of the President's Club membership again for 2019. Not the first two times either, friends. Mr. Carlson, Carlson has been at this for a long time and uh, doesn't brag about all of this stuff, so I'm kind of compelled to do it on his behalf. And I don't mind it a bit. He's a veteran real estate performer, knows the marketplace, is active each and every day of the week, has sold in his 24 years close to a 1,000 homes, and uh, those sorts of deals and that kind of experience through all sorts of financial conditions. The last 24 years have not exactly been a straight-level playing field, John. You've seen just about everything there is to see in real estate in seven-figure numbers and beyond right here in our own backyard. Yes, we've seen a lot of changes, and, and the market is usually pretty active in Greater Vancouver, as everybody knows, but it has its ups and downs, and the ups have been sky-high ups uh, nationwide, and uh, when the market does drop, it's a bit of a shock to people, but it always seems to have a good rebound, and that's what we're seeing now. Well, let's hear It's our year-ender program. This gives John a chance to relax and enjoy the fruits of his labors, as it were, as Ben and I have prepared a little thank-you montage of some of the people that John Carlson has helped in 2019. like you were the number one priority for him. I I can't say enough about John and how he represents himself. And the service that we got was far more than what we ever thought about. uh, I just found him quick to return calls, emails, texts. And uh, you know what? We we listed and had an offer in the first week. Person speaking, the service I got from John was outstanding. Um, He was there all the time and... uh, he worked very, very hard to sell it, which was very good. They say moving is one of the most stressful times in your life, and John Carlson made it so easy. My house sold on the first open with multiple offers, 
and he saved me $20,000 in commissions. We got way better service from John than we had any other company, so uh, um, I don't uh, I don't see a problem. In fact, I don't know why everybody doesn't use him, because uh, that's the way to go, and he's saving us thousands of dollars. Well, there you go. That's a happy bunch of clients, John. It's been a good year from their perspective. They've managed to successfully move, pull off one of the most difficult things anyone has to do, and save themselves a whack of dough in the process. Now, there's a bit of job satisfaction for you this afternoon, sir. It is. I absolutely love it because right there, really, this is what keeps me going. This is what keeps me working. I do a lot of word-of-mouth referrals, uh, referrals for clients, and making a client happy. Uh, really is the focus. When you're an agent, you have a responsibility to represent the interests of your client. And when your client's happy, you've done a good job of that. So uh, to all the clients I've worked with this year, and, uh, you know, I invite you to call me anytime. Uh, You know, we're always in touch. Um, And I'd like to repeat those processes to any of the other listeners out there who are looking at maybe selling their house either maybe at the end of this year or more likely towards the new year. I'll be around uh, in December and January. This is my last radio program for the year. Right. But we're just going to start up right again on January 25th next year. And uh, it's great to hear some people actually go to the trouble to call in and express that they were satisfied. And a lot of them, you know, they're a little bit surprised because at first they think, gee, saving money and having a good result. Mm -hmm. As you said, that doesn't always go hand hand in hand. Yeah. But again, that's what I do. Johnny Smartpoint, go to my website, give me a call. I'd love to uh, make you just as happy. One of those uh, callers uh, referred to, and I think she's absolutely bang on, uh, they say, she said, moving can be one of the most stressful periods of your life. And she's absolutely right. It just It's always astonishing, the details that go into moving. It's also something typically we don't do very often, John. Uh, a typical family would maybe buy and sell a home four, maybe five, maybe even half a dozen times over a lifetime. You do it several times a week. So the, 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 the gaps between, well, we, you know, we, we sold in the 90s and then we bought one you know, 10 years ago and now it's time to go again. Those huge gaps, there's been so much change in the marketplace. Despite your best efforts to be as current as possible, you're going to miss a few things. And th- this... Uh, again, if anything, the previous moves and sales might have taught you, when time comes for the next one, bring in a pro for crying out loud. That yeah. would be you. Well, I, I'd like it if it was, and I'm, I'm definitely available. But yes, have, a good, have good representation. I mean, the stakes are high. Uh, like you say, the market is a changing dynamic. Knowing what's happening at this moment in time when you enter the market with a good strategy is going to be huge when it comes to you know uh, your success or your satisfaction in the process. So having a good agent in your corner um, is probably the first step and one of the biggest things you can do to be successful on the market. And I'm happy to fill that role if you want me. Yes. Yeah. Just looking at this year end report again from the BC Central Credit Union that came out a few days ago. One of the uh, the subheadings as you look through this a long b- bit of stuff is don't expect a red-hot market. This is not a bad news scenario for people who have lived through the insanity of real estate and craziness and all of that just as recent as a couple of years ago. Uh, A red-hot market for most of us is A-OK. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, Yes. Most sellers, in fact, are happy not necessarily having a red-hot market. They just want a good, strong market where they can go out and get a fair price for their homes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, it doesn't hurt to point out to uh, people looking at statistics and reading reports that we're, that's not likely, it's not expected that the market will return to its frenzy. And, uh, you know, maybe it's not a bad idea to mention that because I do know it is human nature. I talk to a lot of people who remember, well, you know, my neighbor just down the street, 
he sold and he got X amount. And I'll think, oh boy, you know, when was that? Well, that was, you know, a year and a half, two years. So it's easy to remember the high times. Um, It's easy to be scared by the low times when they come. But I think we've seen both of those things now and we're emerging as a market that's much more balanced. And I'm really looking forward to 2021. I think it's going to be a a rebound year. Uh, Again, prices will, you know, will do what they do. Mm -hmm. And I'm not expecting uh, things to be pushing up. But um, it's a market, I think it'll be a market where you can make a good move and you can come out ahead. And again, uh, it's it's the frequency of, the, of moving that we don't have in our in our everyday lives, John. And, and I'm referring now specifically to pricing. I was talking earlier about just the gaps that happen between uh, any household's moves, uh, typically five to ten years. Uh, but in, you know, even if even if you had last fall uh, uh, gone into have uh, the point where you're going to sell your house, and let's get in, let's get somebody in here, get an appraisal, find out what we're up against. Right. So. Now, they've got that tucked away, and it's been sitting on the, on the counter there in the living room for a few months. And now it's time. Now we're going to make the big move. How uh, effective is that price from several months ago that they've had on a piece of paper folded up on the mantle? doesn't sound very reliable the way you're describing it to me. Um, so, no, I, I, yeah, I would suggest anybody getting on the market have a recent... Uh, appraisal, a market evaluation done by somebody who knows what they're doing. Okay, yes. I'm stretching in terms of my example. It's kind of Christmasy. You know, you know, that's where you hang the stockings. I right. got that. Okay, no, but seriously, uh, it's it's it does change rapidly, and and yes. this time the changes have been to the negative. We've seen prices come off a touch in the last couple of years. So that affects people. It has affected some people, and you know this firsthand. It's affected some people to the point where I'm not going to sell until we can get back to those nutsy high prices of two or three years ago. Well, good luck and don't hold your breath, please. Well, that is true. And and you're right about get it. It depends on the segment you're in. Some have come up, some have come down, or maybe you're in a a, a newer townhouse or condo in an area where there's a brand new large development that's just hit the market. That alone can affect the pricing True. Uh, of of your particular unit if it was, say, three or four years old, because sometimes new places come on and they offer financing incentives, they have more amenity, they have this or that, and the pricing of those units can sometimes have an effect. So a big player entering the market, for instance. So for whatever reason, there's all kinds of reasons, if you're going to go on the market, have a recent evaluation, at least one from one agent, if not more, uh, because whatever you looked at, three, six, 12 months ago is probably not, uh, you know, the best starting point now. Well, it's interesting, you know, because when we go to buy a car, John, uh, we'll take weeks, if not months, to kick tires and go to various dealerships and, and haggle over prices and color and sunroofs or not. And, and we really get into it. But when it comes time to unloading the house, uh, which is what, 50, 100 times more expensive than any car out there. We just see, we have this very cavalier attitude about things like testing the marketplace. We seem to be more reluctant to do that with a much more expensive item in our lives. I suppose. Uh, hunting for a car might be a little more fun. Oh, it is true. You're a car <laughs> guy, too. It's always fun for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the point is um, to be prepared on the market and do your homework. And I think most people do. The people I talk to, they've had other opinions. They've talked to agents. Everybody knows a realtor. Um, you know, but find somebody that you connect with. Uh, you know, when I talk to people, I tell them, hey, I'm not the market. I'm going to give you some advice here, but I don't decide these things. Sure, of course. My job is to know the market well enough to be able to interpret it, 
your pro- your property and your situation so that you can maximize it in the market. Um, but find somebody who, you know, maybe you like the way they talk to you, how they might communicate with you. And, uh, you know, a good agent always tells the truth. I tell the truth as I understand it to my clients and I let them be the decision makers. Um, so find someone you can work with because really that's what you're doing. It's not the agent selling. You're working with a partner who's that's representing right. you. And what happens though, John, and this, this comes up, when you deal, because you're the guy with Johnny SmartPoint on your website, for crying out loud, you know about the success zone and the smart points. What happens when you are, you're invited into a home of someone interested in selling, et cetera, et cetera, you have the conversation about 2% commissions, and it's wonderful, and it's all great, until they get to the point where, and we're asking this much, and you know that's not going to fly, it's just too darn high. How do you approach that? Well, that's a good question. I, that sometimes will happen. Um, uh, recently, I met with people, great people. I hope to work with them sometime. Uh, my evaluation and where they were at was kind of not, I, I didn't see it happening. And, you know, and I said to them, and I will say to others, if need be, you know, I'll take a job on if I think I can succeed and make you happy. But mm-hmm. I, if I can't meet those expectations, I don't think the market will bear it, then I'll, I'll, I'll do the, the, the solid, the honest of telling you that right up front. I won't take a listing that's too high and then try to beat you down in price over the next and have some sort of adversarial relationship where I'm trying to sell the house out from under you. I just tell people, hey, I don't know if I can to make that happen. And, um, you know, we leave it at that. Uh, people are open to get any opinions they like and to work with whoever they like. And I think that's the way it should be. Right. And today's consumer, as you've been and mentioned many, many times on this program, is an extremely well-informed individual. And they too, as Ben and I have done preparing for today's show, read reports from organizations like the Central Credit Union. And we have a sense of where the market is and where it's likely to go. And uh, uh, it's not going off a cliff. That's the good news. And it's also not going to return to the bizarro, insane conditions of of a couple of years ago. Somewhere in the middle of all of that, in 2020, you remain quite optimistic it's going to be another great year for Metro Vancouver real estate. All of the elements for a successful market are in place, and they, the market is a, a dynamic uh, you know, organism in change. So we'll see what happens there, but uh, I don't have any concerns about the long-term health of real estate in Greater Vancouver. And my forecast for 2020, I, I think it'll evolve as the year goes on, and we'll start you know, talking again in January, uh, is that this will be a good market where you can buy with confidence, you can sell with confidence, you can get on with your life. And if you want to call me a professional to handle that or talk to you about it, I'd be thrilled. And you can call him right now, because he- He's done. 604-612-0080. John Carlson, 604-612-0080. We're not going to see you till late January. Have a fabulous holiday season. All the best to you and your family. Thank you. Same to you, Sterling. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to John Carlson for his year-end look at the big picture of Metro Vancouver real estate. Next week, London Drugs and Inspire Sleep Solutions. Time now for Duly Noted. And this time, our producer, Ben Dooley, looks at a potential increase in shoplifting. Thanks, Sterling. A Vancouver store owner is growing frustrated with what he calls a rampant wave of shoplifting at his downtown business. A trend police say is not on their radar. David Sullivan, who owns the IGA grocery store at Robson and Richards, says his staff catch four to eight shoplifters per day, and many of the thieves are growing increasingly violent. It happens all too often, especially in the last uh, eight to 12 months. It seems thieves are becoming more and more violent. Even with dozens of cameras mounted to cover every corner of the store, Sullivan says the shoplifters simply don't care. Especially the drug-addicted people, they don't care about anything, to be honest. 
Sullivan has shared surveillance video of one of the thefts, which happened on Sunday. In the video, the suspect attempts to steal chocolate eggs. When staff gently try to intervene, the man throws a punch at a female employee. The suspect ended up striking the story's loss prevention officer, who Sullivan says has been told not to fight back if these become violent over fears they may be armed. When staff called 911 to report the incident, Sullivan says Vancouver police told them someone would come by the store on Tuesday, but the owner says he doesn't blame police for the shoplifting scourge in Banjuli, and that's duly noted. Thank you, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. Christmas tree sellers across the USA are expecting an influx of new and returning customers this holiday season after experiencing a surge in sales last year. Industry insiders say the increase in tree products is fueled primarily by millennials who are setting down and starting families of their own in one form or another. The National Christmas Tree Association released its annual report in New York this week, and their study found a 20% spike in the purchase of real Christmas trees and a 12% rise in artificial Christmas trees last year. The study found that last year, Americans bought more than 5 million more real Christmas trees and 2.5 million more artificial trees than they did the year before. And most of these new purchases were made by millennials, adults born between the early 80s and mid-90s. The Christmas tree biz took a huge hit in 08 and 09, but has recovered well in the past few years. So what's up with millennials? Easy, say the tree growers and makers. Their generation loves to share pictures on social media. And what's more fun to share than a Christmas tree? We haven't seen the Canadian numbers yet, but expect they will be very similar to these. A bit of a setback this week for legendary Canadian singer-songwriter Gordon Lightfoot. Gord is 81, and he had to cancel some shows this week in Fredericton, Montreal, and Ottawa due to a lingering leg injury from this summer. The therapy and recovery program he's on in Toronto is taking longer to produce results, and so the three shows this week will be moved to next April. The physio team Lightfoot is working with all say he's still expected to make a full recovery, but... He's 81. Bouncing back from any kind of injury is just not something that happens as quickly as it did once upon a time ago. Gordon Lightfoot's legions of fans across Canada wish him well and are mostly okay with waiting a few more months to see him perform. That is Vancouver Consumer for this week, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira at the controls. Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple or Google or your favorite podcast place, is where you can go to listen to Vancouver. Vancouver Consumer at your convenience. You can also get a hold of us at any time simply by dropping me an email. It's sterling at cknw.com or you can tweet us at VanConsumer. For Ben and Andrew, I'm Sterling Fox inviting you to join us again next Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock for another edition of Vancouver Consumer right here on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.